Look what you made me do. Look what I made for you. His name is Old Man. Old Man Wayne. I live by the car. I die by the phone. Old Man. Old Man Wayne. Old Man. I'm about to do something terrible. So fun fact for you. Once upon a time, I wasn't built like um a Samoan. I used to be built <laughs> <laughs> I was built like a wrestler. Like I was in the gym every day, basketball, the face, the whole nine yards. And at that time, I wanted to fight a bear with an axe. Because <laughs> in my mind, there's no way me, a human being, could beat a bear. Now, I'm not talking like polar or just like just just a like an average size bear, which even an average size bear could mm -hmm. knock my head off with a swipe. There's this place in, I want to say it's close to Rhode Island, the Elks Lodge, and I think it's called the Elks Lodge, or it's the, um, it's something, it's, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, and they have a stuffed bear in there. Oh. And even and even in my dumb-ass, arrogant human mind, I said to myself, back in my day, I could have beat this bear. <laughs> because I, because <laughs> I am a dumb, foolish adult. And thought that I could beat a bear, not with a gun, yeah. with an axe. That's no. <laughs> it's it's noble. I mean, I, I I in my heyday thought I could probably beat one with a rear naked choke. You know, <laughs> if I just got in the right position and squeeze hard enough, a bear's got to breathe, right? But the truth is, I don't even think I could take a dude in a bear costume. If we're being perfectly honest, it's a just even if you just had the fake claws on one hand and just the bare head, I think I think you get 10 extra points in a fight against me. Bears are tough. I'm not getting revenanted. Nah. And even in the Spider-Man game, when he fought a guy in a bear suit, <laughs> dude, those are the most annoying bad guys. And <laughs> I hated those dudes. In that game, worse than anything else in that game. Man, maybe it is something about dudes in bear suits. Maybe I got some subconscious hate against bear suited men because of that game. Man, I'm gonna first person to be I'm traumatized. To this. First time to be first person to be traumatized by Spider Man video games. <laughs> Welcome to the Old Man Wade Show. I am your host, the God of Stub and the Lord of Laughter, Old Man Wade. And back again, that. That sultry, goofy voice that you're hearing is the man, the myth, the legend, the soon-to-be Netflix special, or wherever he decides to put it, Slade Ham. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. I like talking about stuff. That's like, a I fun place to do that. I love these. That was the most generic. That was the most generic thing I've ever said about a thing. I like talking about stuff, and this is a good place to do that. I That's figured. <laughs> I figure you're just practicing for your eventual late night like um, interview. First, it's like, yeah, I just like talking about stuff. <laughs> it's really, you know, if it's it's amazing that there are people making a living doing just that. I got to figure out my piece in that. I'm so all I want to do is talk to people about stuff that they're interested in and hope that some of it rubs off on me. And I just haven't figured out 
how to turn that into a complete paycheck yet. I'm getting close. We're getting there. It's good to be here talking about stuff. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's if I could make a living just running my damn mouth, I would do it. But I'm not sure if I love that more or if I love just like writing about it more. You know what I mean? Like I the research into things and then putting it on paper and just actively like this it is going to sound cheesy to a lot of people, but I'm sure you'll understand like the sound of the keys as you're putting words mm-hmm. on a screen. Or even mm-hmm. something as simple as like once you're done, you don't like it, and then you hit the back backspace a bunch of times because you know something else great is coming out of it. It's amazing. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of power in writing because you get to you get to decide what goes on the page and you get to decide what doesn't. And that's in a world like this where you got so little control in almost every single day. That's that to me. Writers have a superpower: the ability to sit down and actually be in charge for a second it, it really is and it's funny now that i i'm run my uh the website i write for i run their instagram page and i have the power to just be like hey i don't want to see your comment erase <laughs> yes it's that it's that that rolling up of the limo glass you know what i don't have to listen to this you just hit the button <laughs> exactly just oh you're a dickhead what? And I don't even mind negative com- like comments or things or disagreements and stuff like that. But when you're just being a dick to be a dick, just because you're a thousand miles away and no one will ever see you, it's like, come on, man, be an adult. Let's have a conversation. Let's let's not start with all these slurs and all this negative stuff. Let's let's just talk. Let's have an actual conversation. That's the you know, that's that's wishful thinking. The dangerous side to to writing is that you're putting it out into this sort of world where these anonymous people can have their their way with it and that part always kind of sucks for me and i think that's the because i vacillate between whether or not i'm a writer or whether or not i'm a comedian and this year has been definitely a, a conversation with myself about what i actually am and do and stuff but when it comes to my preference people in an actual verbal back and forth will lose more times than than they will on the internet because the internet, man, it doesn't matter how good what I say is you still get to go home and think about it for a day. If you want to and put your best foot forward and go, ah, here's my rebuttal. And if I'm on stage and I say something and I'm working things out verbally or even in a pipe, wherever your ability to talk back at my speed changes things. And when I make you have to to respond in real time, it shuts a lot of people up. So for those reasons alone, sometimes I gravitate towards, man, just let me talk. I, I could not agree with you more. Like, it was funny. Earlier this year, I got into the dumbest conversation with people that got to the point now where I've just deleted comments on my on Twitter unless I tag you or something. And so, right. was- but also like, like you're a dude, you're a big black dude. And you know what? That doesn't shut anybody up on the internet, but <laughs> God damn it. It really don't. Somebody wants to mouth off to you in line at the grocery store. That's all of us. You have power again. You know what I mean? That's the, the internet has detoothed everything. It's made it so easy for us to get yippy when we shouldn't. It really does. It it was it was the dumbest conversation. I liked the comic book. I tagged the writer to say, "Hey, I thought you did a fantastic job in this," and it turned into, "Oh, I see this guy's paying people to comment now." I'm like, "The fuck!" And it was just this whole thing about how 
what was it? I was called a, I was called a scarlet. And I was just like, did you just call me a biblical whore? <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I, so I, so, okay. I don't care enough that I, over the last couple of years, I've come up with the, I don't care enough to have this conversation with people. So I started saying and sending people, thank you for tweeting uh, and sent them a gift of this wrestler I like blowing them kisses. And one guy got so annoyed. You said that already. I said, and I'm going to say it again. <laughs> it just blew him a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That game is, I, I just had to dismount from that whole, it's just no courage. It used to be back in the day, I, I thought there was some fun in these flame wars on these UBBs and all these message boards. And I was good, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anymore, I think you've got the right approach. Fuck them. Look, man, I just love is like I I'll see it. It's like that's cool. I'll I'll see you next month or the next week when the next thing I write. I have fun. I I appreciate the clicks and I will I'll wipe my tears and the money I get from my paycheck. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna be fine. So it's the end of the year, man. This is some, one of the things I love doing. It's like this is the third year we've done this, like the end of the year wrap up with movies and uh -huh. like just life in general. And, and um, last year we discussed uh, what was it? Uh, our love and hate for Star Wars and Marvel movies and mm -hmm. things like that. And I found myself reading more comics than I ever have, watching more TV and things that I actually like, kind of getting out of my shell a little bit with certain things I certain things that I normally wouldn't watch. And it's made me infinitely happier just to kind of get into some new things. Uh, what have you Good. watched this year that you've loved? Woo! <laughs> This is tough because not much at all. I, this has been the, the worst stretch. And I'm afraid we got a little bit further to go down before we come up. Yes. But by the time you got to the writer's strike and you had already gone through, this is the first time I've ever just not even. I'm not even sure which Marvel movies I've missed. I think the one with the women this summer, uh, whatever that was called, there might be something else. I don't think I'm not real sure. I've been so bored by everything. Spider-Verse was incredible uh, because Spider-Verse was going to be, there's no way it wasn't going to be there. There's artists. There is art artists reaching past their capabilities in those films. Yes. They're incorporating ideas that are, just fun and boundary pushing to see what can be accomplished in animation. And it's working. It's fresh. And it makes me so happy to watch those characters interact in that world. That was fun. Um, everything else has been a bit of a reboot or a secondary this or that. The only other thing I really enjoyed this year before I mentioned a couple of things that were good uh, was twisted metal. Oh my God. How and great was that? I was, well, so I, I'm a fan of the game. You know, if you're an old PlayStation or like myself, you can't not have, have played have Twisted Metal Black, Twisted Metal. I mean, these were my jams back on the old PlayStation. And to see, I don't like Anthony Mackie. I've said this. I don't, I, I'm not particularly fond of him. I haven't altered carbon was eh, Captain his Captain America bores me to death. This chinless Falcon. I'm just not. It's not my bag. And and then you put him in this and I end up in love. I had more fun with this show. 
I, I ate every episode up like a little, like a delicacy, like a, like a French grape. Every <laughs> single one of them. Will Arnett is so good at everything he does. He is. I don't know if you watch Lego Masters. He hosts it. I don't even like the show. I like Will Arnett and his dad jokes. He is a breath of refreshing air to me. And him is sweet tooth is incredible. Uh, so that tops my list. Um, one piece was fun. I can make arguments for and against it. Uh, but I think it was more fun than it wasn't. Um, Ahsoka had some moments. I think it was more fun than it wasn't. Um, I the last three. One thing. Go ahead. I just. I've never been so indifferent on a TV show in my life. Normally, that's, that's, I, that's where, where you should be. Yeah, I'm like, like I said, it's it has some good, it has some bad. I feel like I'm I'm kind of watching the live action Aladdin or something. It's 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 just sort of okay. I get it. You change the the people from cartoons to this, and you're making them in the this. All right, I it's it's a little not long ago enough to be nostalgic. It's yeah. also, I just, everything about it is just a half tick off. It's like, it's like a 11 millimeter socket and a 10.5 millimeter nut. It just, it works, but it doesn't. Yeah. And there's you, that's where, and that, but that's all of star Wars and that's all of Marvel. And it's all of this weird sort of just downward spiral of chasing something that I would argue Here's what they're missing. This is what this is what if you get down to all the stuff we've listed, Guardians of the Galaxy three was one of the better films uh, of the year, I think, in the genre. And the reason being it had character, it had heart. And when I watch any of this other stuff, what you said is the right word. It's an apathy. You just don't fucking care. They they introduce villains in Ahsoka that. I, I I mean, someone has to be the bad guy, right? But you picked, it's like they rolled the dice and just made up these two characters in Shim or whatever her name was and the dude and the, and you tried to give it some backstory and give them a forlorn look off over an expansive waist. None of it makes any difference. You don't care. There's no, you haven't spent time with these characters. You haven't developed them. Everything is about new, fast, shiny, this or that. And the tr it's the best comic. The, the, all right. Let me let me stop and formulate a, a cohesive <laughs> thought here because I will spiral off. But when I look at. We'll use Marvel and Star Wars as my two examples, because they're, they're Disney's doing the same thing with both of them. And they're trying to introduce you to something that matters, but they're taking from stories in the comics and they're not taking the good parts, right? Yep. If you look at if you look at the 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 outer shell of Planet Hulk that they gave us in Ragnarok, right? A really cool world to let Thor play in in the in the MCU. If I'm being honest, that film was art. Uh, it it was a wonderful thing to watch. But Planet Hulk is about Hulk, and it's about the sense of betrayal. And it's about the sense of rebuilding yourself in a world that you've been cast out of and trying to figure out who you are and face down your darkest inner parts and not be the thing you're destined to be like 
dude, I'm chill bumping, telling you the synopsis, right? That's the stuff that if you let me see that on TV or on film, if you took a character like Hulk and you wrote him out to the end and you gave him this happy ending and then you stripped him bare of that too. And it, if if you did these things to characters we cared about, man, we'd go with you. But tell me how in the name of God I'm supposed to give a shit about anything that's stuck on screen in the last four years. Tell me where. That's my problem with. So I love the Marvels. I thought the Marvels was everything that I wanted it to be. It was fun. Just give me something fun. Cool. Restart. Restart what you're doing. Give me like. Amon Vellani was just, she's, my, my buddy Javi says it best. You got to protect her at all costs. She is just adorable. She loves what she's doing. <laughs> the passion in her projects is fantastic. She even co-wrote a Miss Marvel comic book this year. And, and it was fantastic. So you can tell the heart nice. and desire to do that. Um, But then you give me Ant-Man, which was awful. Ant-Man was awful. I, I, I tried. I try not to be so hard on movies, but without Jonathan Majors, that movie would be absolutely unwatchable. Um, Shazam mm-hmm. two. I got fifteen minutes in and said, "Nah." And I love Lucy Liu. Yep. I'm like, I'm not doing this. But then you give me Guardians of the Galaxy, which start to finish enthralled. Uh, Sp- Spider Man, absolutely fantastic. Just visually, it it was worth the price of missing. You can watch that on yep. mute. And still, uh, Super Mario Brothers, like that was fun. Exactly, it's just fun. We're not getting. We don't need everything. Doesn't need need a deep meaning. But then I go go to a deep meaning. I love Barbie. I sat there and laughed, and I got the the point of it. There were some really cynical moments in it. There were some real heartfelt moments. The acting was good. They understood. There's one point in the movie where Margot Robbie goes on his whole speech. And the narrator goes, uh, the writer would like to let you know that Margot Robbie is not the right person to deliver this message. And I felt the fuck <laughs> because it was funny. They un- oh, we had this conversation before. Understanding the assignment. Yep. Secret Invasion did not understand <laughs> the assignment. Because Secret Invasion isn't about a five or six part miniseries. Secret Invasion was special because it was a... 10 year long I think it was about 10 years or five eight years of something that was built up towards this you can't do that in five in five episodes and one of the reasons well that- you you can't do it and and attempt to just retcon the last five years oh no 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 it's been building for the last five five however yeah. many years we needed to they check the watch you know what I mean it's like dude yeah. you can't just do that and it's, it's, it's like what do you like Daredevil on Netflix? Daredevil on Netflix was absolutely flawless. It's one of the few Marvel projects that from the very first time that anyone speaks until the very last time someone speaks, that show was flawless. They understood the assignments, they gave us something different, they gave us great acting. They like people were really like it was it was new, it was original, it was fresh. And that's there was there was stuff at stake for yeah. Matt Murdock. I, for all of the characters, there were remove the costume, right? Remove the for, for all intents and purposes, he didn't have one the entire first season. It was just him in a black hood. Mm-hmm. The a show like that is about people, 
that happen to live in a superhero universe. Yeah. And we're currently seeing a superhero universe that happens to have some people in it. And that's what gets lost to me. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but that and that's my point. Like it's all this stuff. So um Gen V, probably my favorite, probably my favorite combo project of the last maybe even decade. I love Gen V. I love every minute of it. I'm also Mr. PC, so there's a lot of stuff that I actually loved about it. There's like the representation, the message behind it, but they weren't like force feeding you shit. It was like, hey, here it is. It's part of the show. It's connected. Now we can move on, but still continue with everything that's doing. And it still had that same hardcore and violence that you expect from the boys' universe. Again, mm -hmm. understood the assignments. But I can't figure out if my favorite show this year was Fall of the House of Usher. Or beef. Ooh, well, I can't help you because I've watched neither, and uh -huh. I have been told I have to watch both repeatedly. Oh, uh, so much so. Or the Last of Us, that one too. So, and that—that's the other one I left off of uh, my list that I have not watched, and I haven't watched it because I haven't played the games, and I just. That's it's an interesting th reason not to it may be a stupid reason. Matter of fact, it may be the best reason to watch it, in fact. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It's it's one of those it, the all three of those that you mentioned have just sort of drifted by me. And I don't know if it's because beef not fallen in this category, but because I've been less dark or horror genre driven, perhaps this year than I than I have been in previous years. Um those would be my only reasons, but uh, all three great. All three are great. Um, I will say this: I love Pedro Pascal, but and I liked his interpretation of Joel. It's not as good as the video game. I've seen a lot of the cutscenes from the video. I mean, because I'm I'm always making the case for. Well, I haven't played it. I have I've seen the scenes because I, I'll go online and I'll watch stuff because I'm interested in the story. I I think the Spider-Man 2 video game is arguably the best Spider-Man movie that's come out in in a decade. It's I, the I was that turn, not to spoil anything, but the turn from act two into act three, where the the main villain basically changes direction is was so welcoming and fun and just stayed in the lanes of good storytelling. And it takes you through Craven and Venom, but also most importantly, the stuff we've been talking about his relationship with, with Harry. And that's the, that is, that's at the core of it, what this whole game is about. And it's why I cared so damn much going into the end of it. It's just good. Oh, it's funny. You talk about story. Um, the original creator of God of War doesn't like the direction of Kratos because he said he's making him, uh, he made him, I guess, sentimental and weaker. And I, and I said to myself, <laughs> I understand how someone who created a character would feel a certain way about someone who's taken their art mm -hmm. and turned it into something different. On the flip side of that, Kratos slowly became one of my two favorite characters after he had Atreus. He became a more uh. vulnerable character, but he was still a vicious, murderous. Yes. Here's, here's my, well, 
I, I can agree with the guy. I agree and disagree, right? I play devil's advocate yeah. on this side. I'll tell you, tell you that once you make art, it ain't yours anymore. Whatever it turns into in the world, blah, 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 blah. But also, if you create something with, with a certain intent, and this is what it's supposed to be. And to me, what gets messy in a lot of things is I don't know that Kratos is a hero, right? It's a yeah. Kratos is a weapon of destruction for a video game. It's yeah. it's like trying to tell me Frogger's a hero. No, Frogger <laughs> is the thing that moves when you press the buttons. It's a, any more than Pac-Man has a personality. It's the thing that 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 makes the things you're going up against go away. It's a mm -hmm. it's a tool in the game. So yeah. when you try when you turn into these open world games like you you have now with with God of War and some of the others that have been rebooted, you end up having to create stories around them, right? We can't just watch him swing chains and have stuff explode, right? You got to put some kind of story in there if we're going to fall for it. It's got to be more than we got with Devil May Cry, right? Like it's got to be an actual story. So you end up with him in 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 all the scenarios with a kid having to become a bit and he, he becomes a different character. I, this isn't Kratos to me. This is a, this Kratos that looks like this and his voice like this and acts like this is a different guy than the button mashing blade swinging Kratos I played with when I first yes. picked up God of War. Yes. And whether or not that should happen, whether or not you should take something that is pure and representative of a certain emotion, in that case, probably rage or whatever, and try to turn it into something multidimensional or whatever. I don't know. You know, I like just having a thing that is pure destruction. That's what oh, I kind of... That's what I and I think you can do. I think you can do binary black and white good and evil and also do character development, right? You can yes. have a bad guy that is as one dimensional as Skeletor, right? He just represents evil. And then I think you can also have characters that exist in that world as Kevin Smith was very uh, adept at showing who do have some depth and do have some complexity without being stripped of their absolute nature right like yeah. i feel like kratos has been a little bit so i will i'll agree and it's funny i agree and disagree with you because at the at the at the end of the third god of war as he sits back and just looks at all the destruction and goes look what i just did i could make a debate that the creator set up everything that's happening now Truly, like, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, if if you're willing to, and it's like all good stories, right? It's where you put yeah. the brackets around. If you, if you zoom far enough out, it's a. Uh, but if I'm zoomed in, like I often am on these recent games, yeah, where, all right, you know, the big picture, yeah, he's still Kratos, he's still the thing I love, but I'm like, I spent sixty hours rowing a boat with him and his kid, so yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Is he? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? You, you got me there. <laughs> There's no right or wrong here. There really isn't. And it, and again, it's funny to your point. You talk about these characters. Like, look at um. You know who's a good um. Who's a good example? Is Deadpool. From what mm -hmm. he was back in his first appearance in X Force, to the character he's become now. There were little certain things that have changed about him, but he's always remained the mark with the mouth. He's always been this incredibly tragic, bad luck, something 
horrible is going to happen to him kind of like anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've told people for years that Wolverine wasn't a good character until the mid-90s, maybe. Like, it took him decades um, to become a good character. And it's and if you look at what he was supposed to be, it's shocking that he's got to 50 years coming up next year and, con- and his popularity continues to, continues to grow. And that's with the Wolverine movies, for the most part, not being good. Like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's... It's a good character. These are good character studies for what to and not to do when you're taking these intellectual properties and moving on with them. Uh, last time you were on, we talked about Mega Man and how mm-hmm. just like Mega Man, like you said, Mega Man 2 is one of the greatest video games, or if not the greatest video game ever, ever created. You got, got some bad guys, you get some powers, you figure out how to use those powers on the bad guys, you move on. And you keep going. I played it recently. So satisfying. It is the most frustrating game in the history (laughs) of ever. But again, to to your point, once you finish doing something and beating it, it is absolutely satisfying. And I think the creators knew it. It's like, hey, you got to use Bubble Man. You know, like the weapon you never used throughout this game. Here's the one you got to use. It challenges you, man. It pushes you right to the edge of your sanity and ability while still being doable. Yes. that's That gives you a sense of satisfaction. You cannot get anywhere else. That's the, there's, and I think the, I'm trying to remember this story. I'm going to fuck this up, but, because I don't know enough about classical music, but there's a, there's something to the 80s video games that, it they the designers knew exactly where the edges of childhood capability lie like they knew at what point this would be addicting enough to drive me to finish it and they knew at what point i would throw the controller down and say man fuck this (laughs) they knew and they built games that that stayed right inside that window and there's there's a I think it's Stravinsky who wrote, who composed the Rite of Spring and the beginning of the Rite of Spring has an oboe solo. And there's a story that Stravinsky, that this guy tried out for the position and Stravinsky said no, because the guy was too good. And you go, well, why would that be the case? And in another example, this happens to be Stravinsky as well. He he fired a violist who was too good to play the part. He said, I don't want to hear the sound of this part being played properly. I want to hear the sound of someone trying to play this part. And if you listen to that oboe solo at the beginning of Rite of Spring, you'll hear played properly. The notes will strain. Right. Like you'll hear or in the viola section, I think you'll hear the notes really played like to the edge of shaking and too good of a player will play it too clean and you won't get the the tension that's supposed to be there in that part of the music. And I just think that's a very interesting, uh, an interesting thing to think about, because I feel like that's what a lot of the 80s video games were, were us being stretched right to the edge of ah and then when you got past it you felt a little invincible as a kid like oh i can play the 
I can play the oboe solo now. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't perfect. It was straining, but I got there. And it turns out that that's probably the best place in the world to, to exist in, you know, just right on the edge. Oh yeah. So on the flip side of all that, I, I have three projects that I loved because they were fun. One of them was actually really good and I'm disappointed to get a sequel. Dungeons and Dragons was an absolute must watch. I loved Dungeons and Dragons. I'm also a Chris Pine fan. I love Michelle Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the criticisms was Dungeons and Dragons was too silly. And someone tweeted, if you don't understand why this movie was silly, you've shown me that you've never understood what Dungeons and Dragons actually is. That's the that's that's the core of it, man. I Dungeons and Dragons was so self-aware and so far. It's unfortunate that it had to be surrounded by so many similar in yeah. in visual like the witcher it, just everything that's dumping out 47 it's 47th iteration of wizards and warriors or whatever but the if you were if you took it out of that competition and just looked at it as is this entertaining man it brought me back to even the old dungeons and dragons cartoon yeah. uh from saturday mornings where you know cavalier and ranger and all those guys and chris pine is so good I was yeah, that's a that's definitely it's on my list as a, a victory this year. Oh, and before I forget, totally original. The Legend of Vox Machina is absolute perfection every time it comes on. So I'm not even gonna add that to the list. Like that's someone says, why do you like Legends of Vox Machina so much? I'm like, I'm like, it's medieval Guardians of the Galaxy with more cursing and violence. Like, <laughs> well, it is. Uh, second on the list is I'm going with. Uh, the most recent Fast and the Furious movie, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, Jason Momoa deserves all of the fucking awards for everything he's done in this. I never thought... Yeah, I would... Harry Rock. Yeah! <laughs> Harry Better Rock. He's... Chief Rocker. That's what he... <laughs> Chief Rocker. Number one Chief Rocker. <laughs> he is just... He's, a... he's Johnny... He was... he was Jack Sparrow in a better suit. And nice. lastly, fucking cocaine bear. Ah, yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it's that to me is all that's left. It's it, there's nothing left but the the ridiculous. The, we've seen everything else. It's you gotta. I mean, if you think about, do you know the top? Let's the top ten most anticipated films of 2024. Every last one of them is a sequel. And most of them a three, three, threequel, or or so. We've rebooted everything. Next year, Ghostbusters, Frozen Kingdom, Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, Mad Max, Furiosa, Quiet Place, Twelve, or whatever it is. The second <laughs> quarter of Dune, Venom Three, uh, Kingdom of the War, The Planet oh, of the Underwater Apes, uh, Joker with Joker. Angelina Foley, jo or uh, Lady Gaga. Then you got the 57th re reboot of Karate Kid and finally Deadpool 3. Thank God there's a cocaine bear. Thank Heavenly Father there's a cocaine bear. <laughs> Next year, I hope it's meth piranhas and I oh, hope it's, it's heroin um, gators. It's um, meth what, uh, Which one? A raccoon? Did we get? No, no, it's meth gator. I, oh, meth gator. Okay. So, yeah, that's the we, we need 
We need all that. Whatever you can put on screen that hadn't been put on screen yet. That was it was a blissful part where there was a shark, the puss and a, a something tornado. All those were fun. They're dumb. I'm not going to watch them, really. But at least there's hope that someone out there is thinking of something that hasn't quite been done before, because everything else is just a reboot of a reboot of a reboot. And I'm so tired of it, Mark. When I tell you that I dove into a comic book called Something is Killing the Children, and I just could not believe how fucking great this comic book was. I've never, like, first off, when have you read a comic book where they're killing kids? I couldn't it's believe it. Not often enough. That's <laughs> What was it? I think it was the second Alien versus Predator when they killed a kid. I was like, oh, we're going there. Cool. Dark, Ho Dark Horse used to do it. And so I'm watching this. I'm So I'm reading this book. And then they really get into the lore behind it. And I'm a sucker for, like, a good origin story and telling me why these characters are messed up as they are. And the artwork is different. It's a little grittier. This character is just a tortured badass. And it's, I love it so much. And so, like, I'm going down this, like, rabbit hole of comic books I wouldn't normally read. And it's just reminding me that, like, there are so many original ideas out there. Nobody oh, yeah. really wants to either put money behind them or. It's risky. Yeah. And it was. But it's. It's changing, man. And I, I said this last year and I, I repeat it this year. It's the the technology is democratizing everything. Like it's I'm almost to the point where if I have an idea for a cartoon, I don't know that I'm I may only be a year or two away from being able to create my entire own animated world if I want to. So I think we'll see some of these stories from some of these creators find their way into the world. And I think you're going to see it's the gatekeepers are already sort of falling, right? The, yeah. the, to accessibility, you no longer, you ain't going to wait for Netflix to make something for something to get made. And that's the, that's, what's got me interested going forward is not, not what the big studios are going to make, but what the, the really great creators are going to make once the limitations to making stuff get removed. You know, we talk about great creators and we talk about not needing these big companies to do it. Let's talk about you. The Andy Huggins, oh, special, the Andy Huggins special, um, early bird special, um, which was, so I was a little late to it. So I, I've been just, I've been like trying my best to create myself and trying to like relax. So I'm going back, listening to old episodes of the Whiskey Brothers that I may have missed over the last few months and your show, The Slade Ham Experiment. And I was like, oh shit, the special's out. So I'm playing mm -hmm. NBA 2K and my wife's in the room doing whatever she's doing and I'm playing video games and she's half-assed listening and still laughing. Like, you know what I mean? So, and that's what you can really tell when someone's like, when you get a really good anything where someone's not really listening, but they're still picking up on everything that's going on. Their brains are registering. And I love that the jokes were obvious and subtle at the same time, because there were certain points where he would say something and then there would be a pause. And it was like a perfect time pause, not like the, like the, you say something and then it's like a five second pause. Like a, one of my favorite Dave Chappelle jokes when he does a juicy smoothie. It was that mm -hmm. kind of timing where it was just like, he was like, all right, y'all caught up. Cool. Let's keep it moving. And Andy, I, Andy is, 
Andy's time. So Andy Huggins is 74 now. And this is his first full-length comedy special. But what you saw, it is a it is a master class in timing. It is you are watching someone who understands comedic timing like the Pope understands Catholicism. I mean, it is this is this is what Andy does. So when you watch some of these jokes hold, there's a there right at the very beginning, two things happen if you watch the special and it's on Apple TV and a bunch of other places also. But if you, if you watch him walk out, he comes up, he stands next to the bar stool and he lets the round of applause happen. And then he taps his finger on the stool three times, almost as if he's subconsciously calling this room full of animals to order. <laughs> and they all politely sit down and begin to listen. And he takes his seat, and when he drops the opening line about paying off his school loans, and then he says his second line, where he goes, "The hard part of comedy used the hard part of stand up comedy used to be comedy." <laughs> yeah, if I, I, and if Mar- I, I he so lets that line, <laughs> he lets that line hang, and it turns into like he knows the applause break it is going to become, and I cannot tell you how difficult that is to do on stage. To trust that something you wrote is not just going to get the laugh, but going to get the real thing it deserves and to have the faith to hold for it and let it happen and then move on as if it didn't happen. It's it's so magic to watch it work. And I'm glad that comes across because you really are for about 45 to 50 minutes watching this old man do master work. You know what else um, kind of came across and it didn't dawn on me until you started talking about that? Confidence. It was the confidence mm-hmm. in what he was saying. Like yeah. that pause. Unquestionable. It was just like, he's like, like he walked, you know, as the, as the phrase goes, like he, <laughs> it was like, it was like big dick energy when he walked in. Older Navy. Yeah. That yeah. shouldn't have been yeah. funny. That's, you older know what Navy, I mean? Older Navy it's, should not have been funny, but it was. <laughs> but it's because it's because that's a perfect example of the joke, right? I get, I, I used to shop at old Navy now I shop at older Navy. Uh, soon I'll be shopping at burial at sea. It's that's the exact kind of if it's just old Navy and older Navy. And again, this is this is where the absolute nuance comes into this. I can't do these jokes justice because Andy, every single word in the joke when Andy tells it is is chosen properly. It's there is no accidental this way or that. There's a way. And so if you just say old Navy and older Navy, yeah, this, you know, I got it. I, I see what you did there. But when you add burial at sea, you you do a couple of things. You turn the hyperbolic up all the way, right? We've gone from old to old. Now you're dead. And then you've chosen the most ridiculous way to say that, but still in line with, with Navy. It's just there's layers of brilliance to it that by the time you sit down, you go, oh, it was just a no, that's got like five things to it, man. That's 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 good. That's yeah. good. That's good comedy. Yeah, I I highly recommend it, man. Like, and the best part about it is, like, because I know with the, some comedy specials you have to listen to them in order because you know there's a storytelling, there's a flow to it. With Andy, I could just put that shit on shuffle and just it's just let it go. Two hundred. It's two hundred plus jokes, and it you know it stays on theme in about six or seven different themes. But at one, as once he moves into a different topic, it's not like it's a linear story. It's just a dude telling joke after joke after joke 
And when you get to the end of it, you realize that he's done it for an hour and you've taken 200 punchlines to the head and it's good. It's good. Yeah. And it's funny, like listening to him, then I was, then I decided to go back and re-listen to this um, Bob Newhart thing I found on Apple music. And I was like, Oh my mm -hmm. God, like, this is, this is actually pretty damn like, you know what I mean? So like, it's not compared just, to anyone. Yeah. Like, so it's not just listening to him, like his influence is like, got me listening to other things and it's like okay well what else have mm -hmm. i been missing like you know what i mean and, and it's cool you heart and you'll 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 go back and listen to woody allen's stand up um because andy will tell you that's his probably biggest comedic influence and you don't think of woody allen as a stand-up comic but i mean some of the best comedy from that era <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's that's my point exactly um but if you if you can if you get to listen to the uh listen to him tell the moose story it's it's worth a google and you also did some some great things this, this year too you put together your <laughs> own and this isn't your first stand-up well i don't know if if, if i if they if they're categorized as stand-up specials but uh three-legged uniform unicorn um yeah, redemption. Uh, and, and so I've here's here's the thing, is, and I I went back, man. You're talking about listening to old episodes of stuff. I, the Slateham experiment for me always serves as more than anything else, just kind of like a a verbal diary, right? Here's me, where I'm at in this moment and what I'm thinking and talking out loud, just like writing for me allows me to organize my thoughts. So that's really what the show is. And I use it predominantly to winnow down stand-up comedy ideas. If you were to listen to that show over the span of a year, probably from September of 22 to August of 23, you will have heard me work out almost every idea that made itself into my new comedy special. Um, and what what's ended up happening is I, I listen back to this episode and I hear myself at the end of last year talking about how great it would be if I tackle some of the things that I really want to right? figuring out how to fund a comedy special, figuring out how to write this new show and get it where it needs to be figuring, figuring all these things out, wanting to travel more, for personal reasons and not as much for, for some of the business stuff I've been doing with comedy and a lot of things I was just sort of musing out loud and I get to the end of this year and there's a part of me that realizes if I look at my year one way, I have spent more money than I've ever spent in my life. Um, I have less money than I've ever had in my life. Uh, I worked less than I've ever worked in my career in terms of uh, shows per year. A lot of things were not fantastic if that's the list I was keeping. The other side is I spent two weeks in Japan uh, at the beginning of the year. I led a wonderful group out to my 58th country in Kenya and parts of Africa. I just got back from two weeks in Chile and Argentina, which were countries 59 and 60. In the process... We landed distribution for Andy's comedy special, something we didn't nice. have at the end of last yeah. year. I just had a film. And then I raised the money for my own. And then I booked the shows to 
to run the special beforehand and we booked the theater and I hired the right people and we taped it. And by God, I've seen the first cut and it's, it's, we nailed it. Uh, I don't know where it ends up next year. I've got to wait because it could end up on a Netflix. Like we're, we made a real thing. That's not, you know, this isn't, it's, it's, and here's what I'm, here's why I'm saying all this one, because I need to hear it for myself, but two, because I knew at the end of last year, something had to give. I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that, that one of the walls in the house I'd been building wasn't up to snuff, maybe more, maybe everything foundation and roof too. But if I had to do what I'd been doing for another year, I, I probably was going to quit. And not because I wanted to quit. I mean, not because I wanted to quit or whatever else, but because I was ultimately staring down the fact that I wasn't doing what I wanted. I was saying I'm a stand-up comedian. And then I'm defining stand-up comedian as person who works on stage as many nights as possible. That is my weird definition of comic. If you're not on stage, you're not a comic. That's what rattled around in my brain forever. The more you're working, the more you're a comic. And the truth is, that doesn't mean anything. Because I would go two, three years. Yeah, I put out albums, right? I put out three albums, and then I put out the Whiskey Brothers special, which was premature, but awesome. Uh, but I wasn't leaving a body of work. If you get to about 2010, 12, 14 with me, the last decade, I've been working, but not making anything. I've been nothing but money, right? I collect the check, but you're performing for people on cruise ships. You're playing the same club you've always played, or you're overseas doing a good job for the military and this and that. But I have a set that I do that's that works when you're in these scenarios. It's not the place to take chances. I can't go out there and develop an idea that might be controversial. There's a lot of, of, of downside to, to some of these gigs. So when I looked at it in that regard, I was like, I got to do something different. I've slowly been working towards this subconsciously or not doing specials for my friends, learning my way around film, learning to produce, learning to do, learning all those pieces. And then I kept saying it out loud. Well, I need a special. And eventually I just, I, I pulled the trigger. I went, we're going to do this. And the Kickstarter I'd learned to do, and that was effective. And then I had the money. And then I built the team and then I finished writing the show and then I took it on the road and all of that in the face of not having the money or the stage time or the things I would have had, had I gone a different route. Now I'm sitting here with a finished film in a world where everybody else is just starting to do these three camera shoots and clubs, small stuff, right? These clubs are realizing that they, there's a need for these clips and they'll set up three cameras in a small room and comics are going, I got a comedy special. And Mark, yeah, they do, in a manner of speaking. They're my friends, a lot of them. And they do have a, a multi-cam shoot in a comedy club. But they don't have a comedy special. They don't have, a, they don't have what I have right now. And that's a full concert stage in a theater. Scarface from the Ghetto Boys introduces me, man, on stage. It's the, it's the coolest shit. I come out to a standing ovation. I do an hour. I take another standing ovation. I say goodnight. It's the best comedy I've ever written. And every one of those jokes does exactly what I wanted the joke to do. And the people who edited it 
and the people who are finishing it are all better at making films than I could ever dream of being. And all of that comes from just weirdly, man, saying some shit out loud and sticking to it. And that's that's what I'm proudest of is that I can kind of look back a year ago and see all the stuff I was just starting to vocalize and realize, man, that if you just do it every day at the end of at the end of a year or so, you, you got a thing, you know? Yeah. I got a thing. You know, it's funny you say that um, because it actually kind of transitions to something that I love talking to you about and just like growth. One of my favorite episodes I've done in general, period, is the conversation we had about not being the people that we were <laughs> previously. And this year, uh, I I had a really bad, I hit depression, not as hard as I have before in previous years, but this is probably the the worst, I first depression I've had as a creative. Didn't get this job I wanted, super pissed off, um, thought I was going to get it, I was ready to leave my job, which I like. I enjoy my job, but the people I work with are dickheads. Um, I'll tell you some stuff after I stop hitting record. <laughs> yeah. But um. <laughs> So I had to get over myself and when I did the uh, my interview and I did my um my sample writing I started using Grammarly. Um mm-hmm. started making some didn't realize the mistakes I was making and instead of being the stubborn person that I was I said I'm going to continue to use this this app to make me a better writer. A couple weeks ago I realized that all the red underlines and suggestions and stuff like that slowly started to disappear. Isn't it great when you look up one day and there's not a very to delete? Yes. Isn't that the best? Isn't that the best? And and then I've always agreed with quality over quantity, but then I'm realizing that I said it, I preached it, but I didn't really actually believe it. So now the more I'm writing, the more I'm realizing that like, I don't need a hundred words to get my point across if 50 will do. Sometimes I don't need the $10 words when a a 25 cent one will do. So I've actually creatively, I've gotten better. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you one, one tip on that too, um, that I've found when writing. When, uh, when I look for a synonym, right, when I'm trying to find another way to say something, I used to be very quick to just right click it, look for synonyms or take it to a thesaurus and look for synonyms. Yes. But the truth is, if you look it up in a dictionary, if you look the definition up first, it'll often give you simpler ways to say it instead of more flowery yes. ways to say it. And it's one of the it's one of the coolest tips. You're just like, oh, yeah, I don't need to look for the complicated word. Exactly. Like I'll so but one of my favorite things in the word and, and, and one of my favorite things in the world to do while I'm writing is type in something and then put in synonym. Or but then I started using definition. I'll read the definition. Okay, I don't need to do this. I can think up of something completely different. And just and then when that happens, I have then successfully not just restructured the sentence, I've restructured the whole goddamn paragraph. Yes, sir. So it's been Yes, sir. So creatively, this has been one hell of a learning experience for me this year. Um, I had a goal last year of reading 2,000 comic books. I fell... Real quick, real quick to your last thought, and then uh, before you move on to this one, I I can't remember whose quote this is. Um, 
man, I might have to look this back up. Um, anyway, it's basically it's the, the point is that it's you, you need to be more interested in, in resolving your blind spots than you are uncomfortable in hearing about them. If that makes any more sense, you want to be more concerned with, with, with the blind spots going away than you are getting the bad feedback, which is how we often are, right? Some of us, oh, well, I'll just, I won't listen. I won't change anything I'm doing because, you know, that means I have to acknowledge where I'm wrong. But if you, if you can acknowledge, wow, my writing could be stronger, then it changes the whole game around you, right? Now, this isn't bad feedback. This is constructive feedback that is going to help you become, help you get rid of all those red lines that Grammarly keeps finding. So, and it's funny because my wife is, um, I'm thankful to not have any yes men in my circle. You know what I mean? And my wife is my biggest critic and she's also my biggest fan. And sometimes for me, it is really difficult to hear her say these things. And then later on, I'll say to her, thank you for telling me because I needed to hear it. And you're the only person I know I can go to directly and have a really sit, have a real sit down conversation about stuff. And one of the things I love about our relationship is just the fact that we can, I remember we were debating um, AI with writers and we had, it was just, we were sitting at a bar one day, it was our date night and we had this really long, deep and dope conversation about that. And it was one of those things, it was just like, and this is why I, this is why I married you. This is why she's my best friend. This is why. So if I didn't have somebody like that telling me like, Hey, you're wrong here. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'd be <laughs> fucked up to the world. Like, you know what I mean? And people like, and she's also not one of those people who goes, you know, some people just give you information you didn't fucking ask for. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so like, she'll say to me, do you want my opinion? And I'll go, like, you know, I'll go, I'll say, if I'm ready for it, I'll go, yes. I'll go, yeah, but maybe not now. <laughs> it's a good so, habit. Do you want you want me to you want me to listen or you want me to respond? <laughs> yeah. So, but like that actually, but all the criticism she gave me over the year, all the stuff, had all the um my therapist has been heavy on me being creative this year. Um, when I finished my book. He was like, well, what are you doing next? What's next with the book? Have you done a second edit? Are you going to do a third edit? What are you doing with this? And after um, he told me to watch, and so he never does anything without a purpose. He told me to watch this 17-minute YouTube clip on the creators of the Ninja Turtles. And oh, all the yeah, stuff Eastman and Laird. Yeah, and all the stuff they went through. And then I looked at it, and I realized... The book was never done. I was completing it to say I could I completed it. And I and he was just and so he was like, So what are you gonna do now? I said, I think I'm gonna go back and write my book. Do the things that I want to do. And so that was this year was the year I learned to kind of step out of my shell when it comes to being creative things. And that's where, like, so like I said, last year my goal was 2000 comic books and I set a goal and that was a mistake. Don't set a goal. Just do it this year. I'm at 1400, probably going to hit 1500 by the end of the year, just because I'm enjoying reading. I'm absorbing the knowledge more now than when I was just trying to just read words in the more. So when you're, I'm always interested because I do this to myself when I say I want to do right goal, goal setting. And, they're really dangerous things 
dependent on how you phrase them. I just had a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who I was helping him shape up his set for a show he's got coming up. And one of his goals right now is what well, was uh, a Netflix special, right? And that's noble is what it is, but it's very finite. It doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room, right? Yeah. It doesn't the same way 2000 comic books really doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room because it suddenly makes 1900 comic books a failure, which is insane, right? That's, that's, that's crazy to call it. So I always try to distill down what's the emotion there, right? Like when you say someone, someone's like, I want a new car. Well, you don't want a new car. You want all that emotional good stuff that comes with having a new car. You want to feel successful. You want to feel like people are looking at you, whatever those things are. You want attention, whatever that might be. So like with the comic books, it's what are you, what's at the core of that? Is it wanting to, to, to just be deeper, more deeply steeped in the lore of, you know, certain, certain comic book properties? Is it wanting to be, better educated so you can write about it is it because you know then you could start to define goals that are you know so much more like not just reachable but powerful too like oh wow yeah. that's that helps me that and that's what it is it's it's help so and i and it's also it's also great that i enjoy what i'm reading too so not only is it helping me create something and giving me new ideas and Mm -hmm. character development and characters in general like uh, we had a conversation about just something as simple as Fredo saying do not is something that he said if he says don't you'd be like you'll talk like that right these kind of things <laughs> or um yep. uh Billy Butcher I love Billy Butcher the cop the from the boys the comic book I loved mm -hmm. his character in the comic book not a big fan of him in the TV show but it's Again, different medium, different platform. Yeah. But the Billy Butcher in a comic book, and there's a quote that's used, because I'm actually rereading it now. When Mother's Milk goes, Butcher doesn't wait, waste anything. Not a word, not, not a movement, not even a goddamn smile. And that is the core of the character. And I started, yeah. I reread Why the Last Man. And Brian K. Vaughn, I keep trying to figure out what it was that caused the um, gender side. And he says, I'll tell you. But the funny thing is, he never says when I'm going to when I'm going to tell you. And as I'm reading it, I'm Googling it again, like I always do. And he says, it's in the story. You just don't know where it is. And so every time I read it, I go back. And I'm trying to find these little intricate things that I think I would have missed. And uh -huh. I never do. And all that makes me want to do is go back and read it again. So <laughs> I'm finding new, I'm finding new artists that I love. I'm finding new writers that I love. I'm learning different styles. I'm learning uh, how to connect mysteries. I'm learning uh, the depths of bumbling characters, the, the insecurities yes. of these great characters. And so the reading has become while there, there, there is no real goal anymore, I'm just reading to read. And now that I'm at the end of the year, I'm like, hey, how many can I get to by New Year's Eve? You know what I mean? But well, let me give you, let me give you, let me give you some reason to all of this because as creatives, right? If you're, if if your goal in life 
is to make something, even if you don't know what, even if your brain's just a jumble of, I don't know what. To make something, you need pieces. You need uh, parts. You yes. need materials. It's Jordan Peele talks about writing a first draft as him putting a bunch of sand in the sandbox. And then everything past that is him building a sandcastle. And yep. when you're considering storytelling, comic book writing, prose writing, poetry, for that fucking matter, what you need is a lot of raw material. You need to read an enormous amount of story. You need to read different genres. You need to see how these characters interact. You need to see how their failures impact them. You need to see how groups of people work together, how this impacts the world. You need to read small stories, short stories, right? If you're reading someone like Neil Gaiman, you want to read the standalone issues, but you also want to read the long story arcs. You want to read things like the Kang Dynasty, right? And see how that plays out on screen. And then you want to see how that plays out versus what they're doing um, on the print. And then you want, you want to absorb all these stories. So when you're reading, you're just putting sand in that box. It's, it's going to allow you at some point when it comes time for you to put your own stuff into it, to have all sorts of things to start with story structures and styles. There's only a couple of different stories, right? There's journeys and love stories. There aren't that many. It's, you can watch Kurt Vonnegut talk about the, the structure of story and, how there's only a few, right? You can have everything and lose it all and get it back. You can lose everything and get something and, you know, there, but those, there's only a certain number of ways a story can go. So as long as you're sucking those in and absorbing them and seeing all the different ways they can be played with and toyed with and, and combined and exploded and put back together, then you're not wasting time. And you're also not ever limited by the amount you do or don't read. You could take one comic book and spend a year dissecting it and get as much out of that as you could by reading 2000 very quickly. So yeah. I don't think the number matters. I think that, you know, you're reading for the right reasons because these are master creators telling stories and visual and writing form that how do you not learn from that? You know, it's way more than just ex ex escapism. Like you talk about, um, like you're a huge ga uh, Neil Gaiman fan. Like you went to, you yeah, much yeah, to the yeah, must to your co-host's chagrin about you going. Bro, I went. I flew to New York, <laughs> drove upstate, stayed in an apple orchard, and listened to Neil Gaiman talk about telling stories two nights in a row, unapologetically. So he is a <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. And I remember the first my introduction to him, like a lot of comic book fans, was Sandman. Naturally. Um, just, uh, guy I used to work with. He was like, I was reading comic books one day, and he was like, "You're a comic book fan?" I said, "Oh, hell yeah." Big comic book fan. He goes, Have you ever read Sandman? I go, um, I'm like the dude with the mask. He goes, No. So <laughs> he brings in yeah. the next day, he brings in all 14 volumes <laughs> and leaves them in my locker and then goes, Read them. I open the page and all I see are words. And I'm like, yeah. Dear God. So <laughs> initially I wasn't gonna read. I'm like, I'm not reading all this shit. One day I'm sitting in my sitting in the booth at my old job. I was like, you know what? I'll, fuck it, I'll give it a shot. I ran through the first eight volumes of that in like a week because it was so damn good. And the one, the, the best interpretation I can give anybody of that comes before the second issue of that 
even starts. They capture Dream. This guy's pleading with him, and Dream says nothing the entire time. Doesn't say anything then to him. And then and then it's like now. And I appreciated it was the first time I really appreciated the character on this level because he remained that same patient character throughout it. He was he never really overreacted. It was kind of just unflappable. Yes. And it was it was beautiful. It was beautifully done. And I was scared when Netflix adapted it. I was like, oh God, don't please don't ruin this for me. You guys ruined lock and key. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> and then it came out and I said, Wow, you guys put together a work of art. And it was it made me very happy. And um yeah. on the flip side, you have a guy like Garth Ennis, who a buddy of mine calls Garth Ennis a crazy person. Uh he's written the boys, he wrote um Preacher and probably every definitive Punisher run. And the one thing I can say is when he wants to write a methodical, crazy, violent person, he does it in such a way where he makes them very charismatic, but not in the way that you mm -hmm. look at someone like maybe like the Joker, who's so like animated that sometimes it's smooth. I'm reading The Punisher and it's different from the way he's talking to people because he wants to wants people to think that he's this psychotic killing machine. But as he's thinking, he doesn't say the blood was red. He goes, my face is crimson. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing here. And the more, and the, so I've read this, and there are certain books I read every year. I read The Punisher every year. I read Invincible every year. The Boys and Why the Last. Mm -hmm. Those are the four comic books I will read every year because I get... Ryan some... Otley's such a badass. Who is? Ryan Otley. Oh, is that God. the... Uh, yes. Yeah, that's that's yes. the Invisible Guy, yeah? Yes. Yeah. And, oh God, don't get me started on like just the artwork that I've seen this year and just, like, just... <laughs> Ryan Otley draws faces <laughs> mm -hmm. and violence. The way he draws violence, it's yeah. so primal what did he do did he do a hulk run i like yes was he on, i'm trying to... he just did a hulk run last year or the year before um yeah i feel like it was recent and again he made the hulk just like this evil character oh and character development making bruce, they've made bruce banner more dangerous than the hulk and i mm -hmm. love that because people forget Bruce Banner is not a good person. He's never been a good person. The Hulk's yeah. actually the hero of this. Bruce Banner is an asshole. That's the I've read. I've skipped through a lot of the, the just all of the Hulk, uh, because well, it was I went back and reread. We were talking about Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, World War Hulk, uh, both back to back, and then some of the old stuff with Rick Jones because I had gone through and was reading the Todd McFarlane stretch of uh that and then that makes you think of peter david and then you go it's just oh, bing yeah. bang boing you, there's so many different stretches of the hulk to skip through and then you know it it, it makes for it makes the hulk because there's so many different hulks right you got you got stupid dumb original all those and then you got gray hulk and then you got red all those different versions but the hulk that 
really the one in Planet Hulk was the one. I think that's my favorite Hulk just because he's the he's the beast in control of the beast, you know, that's keeping Banner hidden in, in the and I just enjoy again, maybe that's the theme of this episode too, you know, just something right on the edge of its capability. Yes. Just me... struggling to hold it together and god damn it, get away from me or I'll pop. I'm right on the edge. But that is a that's such a fascinating place to watch a human being exist there's a uh, i'm trying to find it but there's um the best hulk series i ever read was the uh jason aaron's immortal hulk and this hulk oh. is called devil hulk jason aaron did jason aaron is he the same he's not the guy who wrote all the thor stuff i love that had it is uh... it's him same guy what the one no, who no, wrote sorry, not the Jason, God Butcher? I'm not, sorry, not Jason Aaron. Al Ewing. Al Ewing. I'm sorry. Not Jason okay. Aaron. Al Ewing. So, I was about to say, if this dude wrote all this stuff. <laughs> but um, Al Ewing wrote this version of the Hulk who was just, like, he literally does seem like the devil. Like, he's just. So he's, so this, Bruce Banner is at a gas station. Uh, This guy robs, trying to rob a gas station. He turns around, shoots a kid. Bruce Banner's about to Hulk out. Guy shoots Bruce Banner before he can. Kills him. Nighttime comes. And the whole thing with this is the daytime is Banner's. The night belongs to the Hulk. So you can kill Bruce Banner during the day, but when the nighttime comes, he regenerates. So it's a very horror-like thing. Even the way, like, best way I could describe it was when he transforms, it looks like Werewolf of London. Like you see the bone yeah, stretching yeah. and just, it's just monstrous. It ain't pretty. Oh, not at all. So, and the artwork's fantastic. So he finds the guy who did this and he talks about power. And this guy's saying like, how does it feel to hold that gun in your hand? I bet you feels powerful. Why don't you try to, why don't you use it on someone who deserves it? He wants to use it on somebody. He shoots the Hulk. The Hulk looks down at the bullets, wipes them off his chest and goes, someone who deserves it. This guy goes on, he's terrified, and he goes, I'm not a bad person, am I? And the Hulk looks at him, smiles, and goes, what do you think? The next page shows this guy, he keeps him alive, but he breaks every bone in his body. And this and this is basically the theme of, of, the, whole, of the whole book is the devil Hulk is the one who protects all of the Hulks. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's yeah. the other personality. So when... So when Bruce killed his father, it was actually the Devil Hulk taking over, taking over Bruce's body. And someone fucked with Bruce Banner and he came out, he goes, you messed with the little guy and I take that personally. And it's just, it, it's one of the best comic books I've read. There's, it gets to a point where this, where they bring in the other personalities and like it kind of switches like he start talking, like he's Bruce Banner. Then he starts talking to Joe Fixit. So then his eyes turn gray instead of his whole body turning gray. Oh, they they moon knight him. Yeah, but it's it's and it's done just like that. It's smoothly transitioned. The writing is beautiful. Um, again, there's a point to this, but they're not beating you over the head with it. Yeah. And and this is what I mean again: character development, character progression. You can't. And I always thought the Hulk was boring up until this series. It's like you can't give me the same thing over and over again. I need something new. And now he's even scarier now because he's back to being a nomad. 
but now he yeah. will rip you in half and then throw you into space. <laughs> like I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. But what what are some things you've learned about other than like we've talked about the creative side? We've talked about um maybe making less, but like gaining more personally. What are some other things you've learned this year? So I think the here's the biggest one. I it's that you you get to decide what the rules are. And I what what I mean by that is we're we're all we're all playing games, right? We're all we've all decided on a game that we're we're gonna play. Some of us play more than a couple, but for a long time, my game was comedian. What I mentioned earlier, the I'm a comic. That means this. That means going on the road. That means playing the road. That means going to these clubs. That means having a set that works. All of that, and that is a very valid way of being a comic, but. What I've never really defined for myself up until recently is, and we talk about it, we've talked about it on here, what success means, all those things. And I realize if I go back and I listen to every interview I've ever given or anything I've ever, any time I've ever answered a question about what success means, I give very nebulous answers. It's, it's true. It's all metaphor, right? It's, it's all about a, a sense of satisfaction and a job well done and all that, all that stuff. But those things aren't, they're, they're not tangible. They're, they're, they're ideas. Um, they're satisfaction. Okay. Well, what the fuck does that mean? How do you get satisfaction? Just like when I was talking to my friend the other day about Netflix special and how many different ways that leaves you for failure. What I'm interested in going into next year and beyond is being able to define what success is. And then figuring out how to backwards engineer that into digestible parts and then doing it. So this past year, instead of saying, I want a Netflix special and then sitting around and doing what, what I would have told you makes that happen, which is, well, do stand up in as many places as you can and hope that someone sees you who has the ability to give you that. Right. Well, that leaves. We're back to margin. All these, all these different failure points. That's suddenly dependent on a lot of things. One, me getting to play the right place. Two, the right place being the right time. Three, that person being in the room and then them being capable and then them being interested. There's so many variables that have to go my way that I have no control over, right? And the truth is that, God damn it, it's not what I want is a Netflix special. That's not the truth. What I want, is to be able to write the best comedy I can because I've been doing this for 25 years, 23, whatever it is. I want to be able to take all that experience. I want to be able to write it down in, in a cohesive hour that says how I see the world. Here's, here's all the stuff that I'm thinking. And here's me putting 23 years of punchlines on it. And then let me go make that because when I'm done with that, I'll have a thing that lets me, that, that if the world goes, what do you do? I go this and I can hand it to you and it's real. And whether it ends up at Netflix or not suddenly doesn't matter. I have this thing that is me at the top of my game. And I've learned that I can do that and I don't need anybody to do it. I, I've got fans who will help me fund it. I've got a team that'll help me build it. I know how to do the hard part, which is the writing and performing. 
and conceptualize it and artistic direct. I can do all that, not with my eyes shut, but with, with some effort. And if I can do that now, and I can do that again in two years and 10 years from now, I can have three or four of these that go, Hey, I might be a lot of things, but I'm not bad at this. Here's four perfect hours of me showing you what I was doing. And each one gets a little better than the last. They're perfect for what they were then, which was me. Just like that dumb dude in his oboe or viola or whatever <laughs> instrument it is. They're me playing on the edge of my ability. And hopefully if I just keep doing that, I can sleep at night because that's way better than thinking about having to get up and take some flight to go someplace that's not going to appreciate me for X amount of dollars because I got to make a living somehow. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this. And uh, that is what I think I've learned this year. I'm going to establish there's an old Chinese proverb and I'll fuck it up too, like every other quote this show. But <laughs> it says there's three things you should establish before you start. The rules, the stakes, and the quitting time. And that's what I'm interested in is just clearly defining, okay, this is what I want to do. And when this is done, that'll be the, the metric for success. Not whether or not it's well-received or it ends up in the right place or it does this or that. Because all that, I got no say-so in, right? I can only beg and hope. And I've spent a lot of time doing that. And it hasn't really paid off. So... I just want to I want to decide that this is what I want to make and I want to keep making it. And this is the first year that I think uh, I've put that into practice and it's paid off. So 2024 will be me hoping, hoping to, to prove that correct. So you said something and it's it's it really does speak to me because one of the things um, <clears throat> my wife always tells people when they go when she meets somebody new, she goes, what does your husband do? And she goes, my husband's a writer. He just happens to work security. And it took me a while to really even say that for myself. So like when people say like something like, you know, passive aggressive shit, like, oh, your little blog. I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, blogging is fine. That's not what I do. I'm a writer. Like, let's not diminish what I do. I'm a creator. I create. This is what I do. Uh, I remember you were asking for questions on the Slate Hand Experiment. And one of the questions I asked was, how do you deal with your friends maybe not sharing your art like sending it out to the world and your answer was why do you want that and it was a very simple answer but it said a lot looking for external gratification it hindered a lot of what I was doing all year like I said earlier with when I'm trying to finish my book and not writing my book instead of just writing a book it hindered what i was doing like now i have to go redo everything that i did because this isn't my book it's a book but it's not my book um yeah but you gotta you gotta write all the those books to get the book yeah sandcastle <laughs> like you know what i mean so and then it was the learning process of what it means to be a creative and finding, like, really looking deeper into the quotes that I get from comic books, some of the stuff that I see online, and how one of the best ones I heard was, a creator doesn't always need to be visible. I sent it to my edit. I sent it to my therapist. We we share quotes, and he was like, just so like we have conversations during our sessions. He goes, hey, why'd you send this to me? What made you? What made you think about that? So on and so forth. And in this one in particular, 
he had a different um thought process than I did. He met, he took it as you don't always need to work. Sometimes you need to take a step back and relax. And that's something I hated doing. Because you know you you've heard the cliche stuff like I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um yeah. while you while you're sleeping, someone else is shooting a thousand jump shots. And it's like there was a day last month I was fucking exhausted. I didn't really have much to do in terms of like my full-time job when I was there. I spent eight hours writing and reading. I got home. I was supposed to record that Monday. I hit my friends like, yo, I can't. I was like, I just don't have the mental capacity to do anything creative. And I felt bad about it. My wife was like, why do you feel bad? I'm like, because I didn't really do anything all night. I was like, she's like, what'd you do? I was like, well, I read, I wrote a couple of articles. She goes, yeah, your brain's a muscle. You have to let your brain rest. And, but yes. you know, when you're beat, when you, when you hit, when you're beat over the head with decades of yeah, work, well, here's you know what, what I mean. Listen to that though. Listen to the, the, all of that, this whole hustle culture is so full of shit. It's this, this concept that, that horsepower somehow equals uh, money or whatever people believe that if you just get up and go until your heart bursts and if you're not, you're not, if you're not working a hundred hour a week, you don't care about those people are insane. The, <laughs> they are the real truth of it. What, what, what you were talking about earlier with reading comic books, what we're kind of talking about now, the way you talked about spending that day, the, the sand into the box. And then there's a period where that sand just has to sit there. And that's the break you have to take. Not because not because and you're ultimately looking for the right work this flow this ebb and flow where you're never burn out you're ingesting new ideas you're letting them sit there and marinate for a bit you take a bit of a break you let your subconscious work because it will and that's the part that makes it all easier for me to deal with. two things actually one knowing that if i pause my subconscious is going to do work in a way that i don't have to and that part is integral to the end result. In fact, if I don't take the break, I'm doing less work than I would be doing if I worked through the break, if that yes. makes any sense. It does. And then two, defining the two or maybe three maximum things that are actually important to me right now. Not, not that I, I won't think about certain things later or whatever else, but I can't have nine projects that my brain is always working on. It's I have to have two or th maybe the, maybe three that I'm allowed to let my brain play with and anything else is then an intrusion and you suddenly become the gatekeeper to your own creation where you go okay not that these things don't matter but it's not your turn in the room right now I'm currently working on this book and this new special and if you're not one of those two things then I've got to deal with you at the door and that's the sort of thing that protects the important stuff. And then you tell those things to wait outside, right? Because they're not bad ideas. It's a painting you want to make or it's a it's a song you want to write or it's a video game you want to play. And you go, ah, you're next. You got a number. I'll get to you. But right now I got to finish yeah. these two things. And if you do it that way, it suddenly seems less of a, oh, taking a break is not hustling. No, taking a break is actually... I'm, I'm like, you're stopping at the gas station to put gas in the car. I'm getting a coffee while I'm in here and a donut. You know what? We're, we got to put gas in the car. And anybody who told you 
man, you can't drive Route 66 if you stop at a gas station, you pussy. That's they're they're crazy people. They're crazy people who've never been further than 300 miles because you can only drive a car so far without stopping at a stupid gas station. So pause and do what you got to do because you'll ultimately get much, much better work out of yourself. Absolutely. Like I, it, it, you know, it's funny. And I wanted to say that I wish I learned this earlier, but I'm glad I didn't because who knows? Because You I, can't. I, like I'm a firm believer of, I, I believe in alternate realities and the butterfly effect and all of that. I'm pretty sure somewhere there's a Mark who's a millionaire and he's miserable. I'm pretty sure there's an alternate uh-huh. reality out there where he's a millionaire and he's ecstatic. Yep. Like, but like, which, I, which one of those realities are in which, all right, this is an interesting thought experiment, right? In which reality, what, what traits show up in 99% of the Mark reality? Which ones, what are the, what's at the core? What's the, what's the most consistent? Every one of them has to deal with it. Stubbornness. Every, (laughs) let me tell you. (laughs) This dude, one of my, one of my friends called me the all father of stubborn. Like I, I could not stop laughing at that, but like, (laughs) but, um, the stubbornness isn't. So I'm learning to get out of my shell trying my best. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, as I got older, like, you know, certain things scare me a little bit more, like, you know what I mean? But I've realized that, like, when push comes to shove, fight or flight, I fight. So I'm happy about that. But there are mm-hmm. certain things I'm just absolutely stubborn about, but those are also the things that make make me who I am. Because that stubbornness sometimes turns into determination. Mm-hmm. Like, Couple yeah. nights, couple nights, a uh, couple of shifts ago, somebody was like, "Well, why did you do this?" Like, it's not my job. As opposed, <laughs> to like a few months ago, I'd be like, "Oh, let me do this," and I'm like, "Nah, it's not my job. I'm not." It's like I don't need the extra cookie at the end of the day. Now, if somebody was hurt, I'll jump over the desk and do everything I can. But something really simple, and you're gonna give me an attitude for something? It's not my job. Where was the person who's supposed to be yeah. doing that at? Fuck out of here. And that for me, that's the biggest <laughs> lesson for me. When I go when I went to, when I went back to work after um my wife broke on my therapist and my wife said the same thing. Go in there, do your job, mind your business. There's a sketch on um you ever seen White Lotus? I've seen yeah, few, few so, episodes. Not all of them. SNL did a sketch called Black Lotus. And at the end of it, the police come in and say there's a body washed up on the beach, and the concierge goes, is the ocean a hotel? Because I work at the hotel. And that has been the way <laughs> the way I've looked at things. It's like, hey, is this the emergency department? Because I work in the emergency department right now. Is this the is this the lobby? Because I work in a lobby. If it's not you, something you can only take on, you can only take on so much shit. Mm-hmm. It's a, you got X amount of bandwidth, and mm-hmm. it doesn't make you it doesn't make you insensitive, and it doesn't make you a bad person, but. At some point, we all let go of something. We're all not holding on to everybody's trauma in the whole world. And I just, sometimes I let go of a few more people than others or a few more traumas than others. But it's, I can't carry all that stuff with me. It's it's just, it's better for me to focus on what's right in front of me. And if cars are crashing around me and someone needs help, I got you. But if you have a fender bender, 
y'all need to get out and trade insurance and move on with your lives. I don't need to stop and participate in this. <laughs> I forget what I'm not sure if this is a movie, a TV show, or a comic book, but someone goes, Who are you holding all those bricks for? Uh, that's heavy. And I was in like and it, it really made so much sense to me. It was like, like, yeah, I'm not like I'll carry all the bricks for my wife, carry all the bricks for my best friends and stuff like that. But like you said, for example, I donated to your Kickstarter, but I didn't know how to do it via Kickstarter. It's just, hey, what's your Venmo? <laughs> like, that's for me. That's yeah, yeah. That's like, you know what I mean? I can't send you a hundred, but I can send you something. And even if it's something as simple as like, let's say you didn't spend it on the Kickstarter and you spent it on uh, <laughs> uh, Jack in the Box for Friar Gate. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? But that's still, you spent it how you felt you needed to spend it to get the fuel that you needed to do. So one more question before we get to the fun stuff. Um, oh, I had it right here. I'm looking at it right now. What's something you're proud of this year? And I'll give you mine. I'm proud that I have not become the thing that I hate. A lot of times this year, I've seen people who have become trolls, have become like these negative people. And while I see it, I have not become that. And I'm actually generally proud of myself for that that's true because i don't like you know what i mean like it's like supernatural god ended up becoming the ultimate evil like you know what i mean you became everything that you hated and then as the cliche phrase goes sympathy for the devil like you know what i mean he's like my one sin was loving god too much and it was it was such a dope line and I, I'm just glad that I see the things that are people going on. And I've always maintained this thought of, I don't know what the next person's going through. I can't stand Charlemagne, but what he said that he goes, be kind to people because you never know what the next person's going through. And it made a lot of sense to me because if I bump into somebody because something just happened to me, I would hope that the person wouldn't turn around and clock me because I bumped into him. Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's like this certain amount of grace you give people depending on the situation. So for me personally, I'm proud that I've not become the thing that I hate. Good for you. That's heavy. The, uh, yeah, I think, I think this year it's really having, having done something so deliberate. It's, uh, I've done, I've done big stuff before, but it's, it's usually, something like the Andy project, right? That's, it's not for me. Um, this is the first time that it hasn't been a group effort that it's, that I've sat down and out of nothing gone, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write something from zero. I'm gonna figure out how to get the money. I'm gonna figure out how to make it happen. And now to be sitting here on the other side of it and it's all done. And I'm in that, that space between it being finished and me getting to show the world and that to me is probably the biggest sense of accomplishment is it's this, it's the, I was just in, I was just in Chile on this trip and I climbed two mountains while we were there. Um, one to the base of Mount Fitzroy and then another um, in Torres del Paine with the Towers of Pain uh, is what it actually oh, sounds damn. like. But it's, <laughs> but it's, it's really Towers of Blue, but it's, it's, it's very, <laughs> anyway, it's, both of them require a significant amount of hiking upward. And 
you have to do the significant amount of hiking upward after you've done the long part of trekking all of your gear into the campsite. So you put about 30 pounds on your back and then you walk about five hours and then you set up camp. And then there's about two more hours up to the thing you're actually trying to get to. And it's like going upstairs, basically stairs made of rock, but it's windy and it's icy and it's not dangerous, but it is, it requires you to be present and pretty tenacious. And both of those hikes, I, I remember starting those second legs uh, upward, one of which at four o'clock in the morning in the dark kind of rain and thinking to myself, there's, there's no need to do this. There's no, there's no reason to finish this. What do you, wh why, you know? And it's just you versus you. It's just, oh. just each step. It's just, I mean, you got, you're there with somebody. There's other people climbing the mountain, you know, it's, but it's their success has nothing to do with yours. It's just you and you. And that's how I feel right this moment. I feel like I, like I'm sitting there at the base of, of of Mount Fitzroy having climbed up through the dark and watched the sunset come up and it just paints this 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 series of mountains in this gold it's otherworldly and that's kind of what this feels like as I'm sitting there having having done all the walking and setting up camp and cajoling people and talking myself into it and sucking down the water and not being able to breathe and finally coming over that ridge and just watching the sun come up. And you only do that if you've decided to do that. Because nobody was up there by accident. Nobody tripped and fell out of the helicopter and landed <laughs> next to us. It was every person watching that sun come up did it the same way. They hiked their ass up there and spent the effort and spent the energy and the money and the time and decided, damn it, I'm going to see that with my face. And that's what I think is that's what's the coolest is just having a couple of things this year that I began on purpose. And now I have the experience of having done them in its entirety. And that's some shit you can't take out of my box, man. Okay. So let me just say for a couple of first, that's dope. <laughs> like you're only, you're only, <laughs> you're only but saying like you're only in competition with yourself is one of the, truest things that like you could ever say like even if you're competing for um a championship or a pulitzer or whatever it is sure there are other people in this competition and there is a there is something to gain from winning but even then at the end of the day you're really in competition with yourself that's it that's it and when you change the game and you change the rules to reflect that then it it takes away your ability to lose by those old other metrics. That's the magic part is when you're not measured, you can't measure me up against other people. That has nothing to do with how I'm measuring success. It's just me versus me and whether or not I'm going to take the next step and get to the top. And it's just, man, it's so much more fun this way. Like I, it, all that pressure and all that, all that headache and am I doing the right thing? It suddenly doesn't matter anymore. I'm not playing the same game. What was it? Uh, and it's you ever hear something a million times, and then the million and one time you hear it is the time you get it. You uh, understand what it means? Yeah. The uh, I've never read the book, but I understand the title. I was reading X Factor by Peter David, 
and mm-hmm. character Layla Miller, she was reading Atlas Shrugged. And uh-huh. someone asked her, how do you how do you deal with the weight of the world on your shoulder? And she goes, I shrug. And it was just the simplest, yeah. most profound thing. And it was just, <laughs> it made so much sense. Like, it's like Atlas Shrugged. He was just like, a titan yeah. had enough. <laughs> a titan yeah. had enough. <laughs> Fuck you. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a, I'm a, I'm a, actually working on an article about this. I start I came up with the idea a while ago. My editor approved it, but I haven't written it yet. Um I wrote a version of this uh, over a decade ago. It's who would you hench for? Ooh. Which of these characters you'd work for? Now, now I say hench, uh, because some of them are villains, but some of these people on this list are heroes. So okay. I'm gonna. I got 14 characters on here. Some of them are heroes. Some of them are villains. Let's go through. This go push against my 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 oh, yeah. hardcore individuality. Oh yeah, and my lone wolfism. This is. <laughs> these they gotta be all right. These I'm gonna have to find a collaborative way to make these work. All right, let's let's like, get in. Let's see. Because some of them I know you're gonna go fuck no. Some of them you're gonna like really think about. But I want to. I'd love mm-hmm. to hear your opinion on a lot of these. All right. First off, we're going to start with uh, one I think would be pretty easy. Joker. Yeah. Look, look, man. Joker's fun. That's the because you're never you're never really working with Joker. Right. We're both diabolically being as intelligent as we can. Just trying to figure out who's going to shoot the other person in the back. And if that's not a little bit fun to you, then you're not as crazy as me and Joker are going to be in this book. (laughs) You know what? That was not the answer I was expecting. I love it. Uh Captain America. <laughs> See, this over this 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 overrighteous son of a this is my problem. This is exactly who this is who tripped the breaker. When you when you ask the question, this <sighs> is who comes to mind. Because yeah. if we're gonna collab, it's gonna be in an Avengers S situation, and you're gonna want to call the shots, and you're a good tactician, and I get all that. But so am I, buddy. And my tactics are a little different than yours. So I'm pr- there's going to be a rogue element to me, and I'm probably going to be the first guy to make Cap say fuck. I don't know. He's worked with Wolverine in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> he's, been, he's been teammates with him. And, they, oh, God, one of my favorite Captain America Wolverine moments came in Original Sin. They have something called Meat Night. And it's him, Black Widow, Nick Fury and Wolverine, Wolverine, Captain America, Nick Fury, Wolverine, they just eat steak. That's all they do. And Captain America goes, I can't eat anymore. Wolverine's pissed off. He goes, you better eat this damn ribeye or we're going to fight. And he goes, I, he goes, if I eat another ribeye, I'm going to have to get up at 5 in the morning to jog. And then Logan goes, you've woken up every day of your life at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and as they talk, Wolverine and Nick Fury and Black Widow are talking. And Wolverine goes, screw this. I'm eating your steak. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, and if he could work with Deadpool, I, I would be I really impressed if you could make Steve Rogers say fuck. <laughs> uh, are you a fan of Venture Brothers? Uh, not not hugely. No, I don't uh, have enough. Uh... All right, so I won't ask you. Okay, so we'll switch. We'll pass. I was gonna say the monarch. <laughs> oh, I gotta I gotta pass if I can't if all I can't. Right. Batman. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, yes. I think Batman 
for all the right reasons. Because bat, there's no hocus pocus. I feel like I could exist in Batman's world. That's the there's no no portals to wherever. There's no we're not raining fire. We just us and good old. I feel like Batman and I would spend a lot of time in the car drinking coffee. Him going, man, have I shown you what my watch can do? Like that's <laughs> me and Batman would have a good time together. So I'm gonna disagree because the next person I think you'd actually work with, Red Hood. No, I maybe maybe no. I see. I get into there's ego and there's there's just give me Batman. Can can you just give me Batman and none of none of his offspring sidekick cohort for none of them. I keep Damien. Keep ever. I don't like anybody in his circle. But Batman and I really just I'm yes. I'm really shocked by that. I think it would be a real, I think it would be a Red Hood fan. What makes you say that? Red Hood is maybe a- young, maybe young, maybe younger me. This is a this is a calmer, different me. I look at Jason Todd as a perfect combination of Batman and Deadpool. Fair, because fair. There's I've I've written an art, I wrote an article about this, and but I a- like Batman. And, here's the thing, Batman and Deadpool are completely different sides of my personality. That's okay. why I don't think it works together because Deadpool is the out loud Merc with the mouth. He slaps you and, and, and make sure you saw him slap you. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I love about him. But Batman is a dark introvert and it's, it's his, he's kind of talking out yeah. of the side of his mouth and he's, he's yeah. hiding in the bat cave and everything's a little more secluded. And if you try to combine those two, it, it sort of is me, but it's also like the me I never really am. I'm always one side or the other, I think. I honestly think that you should have a T-shirt that says the me that I, I really am. I think that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when it was just a plain black shirt, the me that I am. <laughs> um, I also think there's a nickel's difference between Batman and Red Hood. I think the only difference is one's parents were killed and he was broke the other one's parents were killed and he still had a billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> um Wilson Fisk no no I don't think so um it's a he's a knucklehead who's motivated by uh, the, the, you know I don't know uh, crime lords never impress me they're never motivated by anything real they're always or you wouldn't be a crime lord, even whether you're masking it as Vanessa or lost love or some other. You're still just a crime lord. You're still just a dude at the end of the day with a bunch of garbage trucks. You know what? So, all right. On the flip side of that, I give you Penguin. Uh, you know, I, you're, you're just uglier Kingpin. It's it's just, it's this. It's the same sort of oh. bad motivation. <laughs> it's funny because it's actually pretty true. He really yes. He's, he's ugly. He's ugly kingpin who can't fight. Yes, that's it with umbrella tricks. It's not. Come on, uh, Superman. No, no. For the same reason, it, it's you're too perfect. Yeah, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't. It's it's you're not. You're invincible. You you every time they try to weaken you, you just it just you're, you're a pretty boy. 
You probably throw a football a million miles. Nothing about Superman and I would have ever hung out at any age, I don't think. I could probably go to breakfast with him. He might pick up the tab I'm at, but we're not. He's my he's one of my good friends, favorite superheroes, and he's one of my least favorite. And I don't I can't give you any more reason other than just I do like a little flaw. You know, you can't be perfect. Perfect. Um, I'll give you a suggestion because uh, I agree with you. How do you team up with that? What do I contribute to that? Uh, what do I bring to the table? Oh, can I hold your glasses, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> can I put your curl back in place? No, what I mean, I don't know how to tie a bow tie later when you need me. <laughs> so, oh no, here's a good one. Would you work with Injustice Superman? I, more, but it, it, do I have to? Is it either or, or can I neither nor? You can neither. You can neither both of them. You can neither both of them. I would now. I, I would neither both of them. But if it was either or, absolutely Injustice before knuckleheaded Clark Kent Superman. <laughs> uh. I'm not mad at that <laughs> at all. Like, <laughs> but there's a re there's a reason why like the only people who aren't like enamored with how great he is are Batman and Wonder Woman. And it's yeah. because and I hate to break this to people, if Batman if Superman and Wonder Woman got in a fight, Wonder Woman's kicking his ass. Because Batman because Superman Probably, can't, she, she Superman can't fight. <laughs> he can fight, but he's not like Wonder Woman. Like you know they, what I mean? They, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Oh, and I remember the one time in Injustice where they put Batman and Superman on semi like power levels and Batman beat the yeah. shit out of him because he can't yeah. like right yeah. uh Hydra. Minus the Nazi stuff. I so I was I was gonna say that that puts a lot of uh <laughs> <laughs> they did a lot of Nazi stuff, man. It's gotta be <laughs> so so now but not the, red, not red no, Hydra. <laughs> right. That also, though, it comes with the evil for evil's sake where I don't see the benefit to me. Like I I would use I would work with Hydra if I needed to to shift some geopolitical stuff around for something important I needed to do next Friday. Right. Like then I would think about it. But I other than that, I, it's just it's too big. Anything I'm working on is a little like I'm. What superhero can help me build a cool ass hot tub? Right? Like I'm that's what I'm interested in. I don't need I don't need a global uh evil organization. I'm just trying to up my life by like two percent, really. So I'm gonna guess you would say yes to aim though, because they can build you a better hot tub. There you go. There you go. hundred percent. Yes. Uh, I'm also down with aim. I'm down with you know, there are a few people can get in here with their with their organizational skills. Uh Catwoman. Yeah. Uh let yes. Uh all previous versions of me would absolutely team up with Catwoman, whatever team up means. Uh, but I'm certain <laughs> Catwoman and I would, would have some chemistry. Y'all are just gonna steal shit. <laughs> just no, we, Catwoman and I are gonna have a diabolical night of all sorts of vices. That's that's what happened. It ends up on a rooftop. There's there's wine probably it's you know not things you should drink on a rooftop but we're gonna there's I just know how this night goes I've known a lot of cat women I'm not even gonna begin to comment on air <laughs> uh, Magneto <laughs> uh, which Magneto do I get do I get the 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 one well, from uh we'll give you 
anti-hero Magneto, not like terrorists. I'm gonna flip the world upside okay. down. Okay, you know. But it, so so, the Jim Lee X Men Magneto, the one we got at the beginning of that series. Yes, I can I can I can, which is kind of the Magneto we got in the in the films. Uh, he's yeah. I there's there's purity to that Magneto. I could get down with that, and I think he's he's also. Man, you're the Lord of the Mutants for all intents and purposes, right? You gonna call some cool ass people to the party? This is, I yeah. Anything I do with Magneto is gonna work out. I'm gonna assume you would say no to Charles Xavier. Yeah, I yeah, I say no to anybody who can read my mind. That's uh because now we're not working together. Now I'm working for you. This isn't doesn't matter if I had you can either manipulate me into doing it or you're gonna understand why I'm doing it. I don't care if you do that. I'm not really reading your mind. Show me your hands. Then I, now I want to see your toes. Something's crossed. I don't believe you. Anybody who can read minds and says, I'm not really reading your mind is a liar, liar, liar. Emma Frost is completely, I love that Emma Frost is completely honest with. It. She's like, yeah, I do. Yes. <laughs> and what? That's the, and also no to her. <laughs> I, I will, there's two reasons I would never want to work with Xavier. One, my buddy Javi cracks me up whenever he says it because he goes Charles Xavier had child soldiers <laughs> is, <laughs> and oh, that part I can live with it's just the Ryan reading stuff really it's... And so for me to your point what he did to Wolverine was one of the grimiest things I've ever seen he erased Wolverine's mind made everyone else made him think that it was Weapon X and his entire time it was Xavier that is a dick that is one of the most yeah. dickheadedest things I've ever seen in comic yeah. books. Not not cool, bro. Uh two more. Bane. No, we just because I can't whoop his ass. And and I promise you, there's gonna come a moment in our partnership where I'm gonna need to whoop his ass. That's the that's so nah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just picturing you slapping the shit out of Bane because he asked you to do something, you're like, I'm not doing yes. it. And he's like, that's what would happen. Do it. I'll break you. And you're just going to slap him. And yeah, I would like, just do that banging thing on his chest. Do, 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 do. <laughs> it would just sound like a helicopter. And then he would break me in half. What was it? Do you, uh, you, you're a Deadpool fan. Do you remember it was a uh, Deadpool uh, Asian of Weapon X when Sabretooth got his upgrade and Deadpool goes, is that Rocky music I hear? And he's poking Sabretooth in his chest <laughs> and, and Sabretooth just yeah. pushes him like the fuck out of my face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lastly, and I'm curious to know how you respond to this. Nick Fury. Who? Oh, so Nick Fury, it's fragmented for me because I have the Nick Fury I grew up with in the comic books who, you know, is not the same as Samuel Jackson to me. Yes. And completely different people. Samuel Jackson, I would say yes to working with Samuel Jackson, no matter who he is. He could be the cop from Lakeview Terrace. And I would be like, you know what? I'll work with his ass. It's a, <laughs> I, I like the, anything Samuel Jackson does. The Nick Fury I remember as a kid, the old man with the white, white and black hair and the eye patch, and the he seemed a little more military. Like he might want to wake up earlier than I do, and I and get mad if I don't, and he might hit me with some soap and a sock or something. And I just nah, not that Nick Fury. He's also, uh, he's only he's like, I don't know if he's worse than Xavier because he can't control people's minds. Or if it makes it even worse that he does it, and he's just probably the most manipulative bastard in Marvel See, comics. That's 
that's the thing. It's the I would I would like to match wits with a Xavier or a Fury or an Amanda Waller. You oh know what God. I mean? I yeah. feel like I could I feel like I could dance. But at the end of the day, I feel like I would never really be playing for the same things they are ever. So I just would have to create a scenario where we're both after the same stuff. And then I'd partner up with any of these fools just so I could backstab them. Well, if you're working with Amanda Waller, I know your one focus is going to be Harley Quinn. So <laughs> <laughs> that's your focus. <laughs> I know that's what it like is. Like another confirm nor deny. <laughs> That that chick is nutty. She's probably amazing. And, um, yeah, that's all I got. Um, I'm just, I was really curious about the Nick Fury one. That's why I went that one last because I was like, oh, let's see how this one goes. And for the record, <laughs> and I know it's not your type, but I I would bet money. And uh, excuse my language, Amanda Waller probably fuck fucks. <laughs> oh, that's a scary woman, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's, and that, that, that's exactly one. why I love it because he's scary and devious and maniacal and just I don't know who's worse, her and Nick Fury. I can't figure out which one of them's worse because they both yeah. have very similar intentions. They're both willing to do things it's that, that people don't care about. It's 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 that moral code that that when it does when there's nobody inside your circle, right? When nobody's safe. Oh, that's yeah. the that's the ones I don't trust. You gotta have something's gotta be sacred, and so many of them just aren't. You know, they got nothing. And I gotta say, as far as per- perfect casting goes, uh, CCH Pounder doing her voice in the animated series and Viola Davis playing her in Suicide Squad. A, yeah, flawless. Yeah, spot no on. arguments. Spot on. So, tell people where they can find you. Where where's where the Whiskey Brothers? Where's the Slade Ham Experiment? Where can they find you on iTunes? The Whiskey Brothers. Everything. Tell everyone what they can everything, find. All your everything. Stuff. Just search Slade Ham. S L A D E H A M. Uh, it's all under everything's just slash that. Um, my YouTube channel definitely the place to go. Uh, that's likely where the 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 special will be in some capacity soon. Uh, I wish I could say more than that, but I've got to wait till some conversations finish. But uh, there will be a special called Signal Noise out very very soon. Uh, it's the best hour of comedy. I've ever done. Uh, it's got music from Scarface and Candlebox. It's cool. So uh, just keep an eye out. I, I will not disappoint. Candlebox did the original Whiskey Brothers um, theme, right? They did uh, uh, the lead singer along with the band members from the band Live. Uh, they formed a band called The Gracious Few, and that was the intro music for a very long time. Yeah. All right. It was The Gracious Few. It, actually, you know, it says it in the outro by The Gracious Few, now that I think about it now. Yeah, uh, so got all this stuff. You can find the Whiskey Brothers everywhere, right? Yes, uh, super easy to find. Just search the Whiskey Brothers. It's uh, I've made every I've, I've taken away as many barriers to finding me as I can. It's uh, hopefully I'm the only Slade Ham in the world doing anything anywhere close to this. So if you just even if you just get Slade into your search engine, I might pop up. Yeah, it's either you or the assassin from DC Comics. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that was. That's from uh, Teen Titans. <sighs> the original or the Slade. It's a it's a it's a meme. It's a meme. It's the uh, the cartoon. Oh, uh, I am Slade. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that movie was 
Yeah, I hate is. that people didn't really enjoy that movie. Teen Titans Go is... I like it. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. I enjoy Teen Titans Go. It's fucking goofy. Yeah. It reminds me of the old turtles from the 80s. Like, I could just sit back yes. and watch them just be goofy for hours on end. The movie was great. Yeah, and it's one of the few things in the world that's given me a Slade meme. Come on. <laughs> You're gonna make me Photoshop your head and put it on the Slade thing, and this is go. I am Slade. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Where did you get that name? Out of curiosity, I don't think I know that. I, I, my mom gave it to me on my birthday. I, oh, that is, the, that is actually your middle name. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. I had no say so in it. Yep, oh, my whole I, life I've never gone by. I mean, when I was a baby, they called me Slade. Like I've never gone by anything else. I wouldn't yeah, respond I, to anything if you yelled it out. I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> I would like to keep this friendship or a partnership or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> I also don't want to incur the wrath of Slade him, so uh, you're not going to say it out loud. <laughs> um, thank everybody for listening. This has been the Whiskey Brothers. I want to thank Slade Ham for doing this again. This is always fun. This is always informative. It is also one of those really cathartic things where I can just really listen to someone who's seen the world, understood the world, absorbed the world and have real conversations with so as always thank you thank you thank you for coming on and doing the show uh can't wait till the next one come that we do this again it's always fun putting the docket together for this stuff because it's like all right let's get some serious stuff gotta add some dorkiness to it i have to absolutely have to. Oh, of course of course this is it's no fun if there's no fun man thanks for thanks for letting me yeah always you, you you have an open invitation if you're ever just like hey do you have 30 minutes i'm gonna be like I will find 30 minutes. <laughs> I will yeah, find man, 30 it's minutes. It's good for me. Let's me flex my nerd bones. We'll do it again this year before the end, I promise. Absolutely. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, be excellent to each other. Peace. Damn it, Wade.